In this episode of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Because I heard a laugh. It sounded like either an old man or an old woman. And it was <laughs> like clear as day that loud. <laughs> that it gave me goosebumps from head to toe. Like I have never heard. It sounded like it was just right in my ear. Welcome to episode 123 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. And guess what? It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. We made it to October. Actually, we made it to Bobtober. Welcome to Bobtober. Or October, as some of you heathens might call it. Bobtober is that one time of year when all of the Bobcast episodes are spooky in nature. That's not actually true, though. It's spooky pretty much all year around here. In this first episode of Bobtober 2021, you're going to do another round of Ghost Stories Volume 5 in the series, to be specific. All of these stories are very spooky. To put it lightly, I think some of them are downright terrifying, to be honest. I have a couple surprises in the store for you in this episode as well. Those surprises are related directly to two of the ghost stories. So definitely look alive for some very special and spectral stuff clawing its way out of the grave and heading your way in this episode. So who do we have telling these chilling tales of the paranormal in this episode? Four of today's finest people that are active in the realm of the supernatural and the paranormal. Well, that's who. First up, we've got Katie Burr, who you might remember from last year's Bobtober Halloween special episode. Yes, Katie is returning to us with a story about something that happened to her while she was a member of the cast on the paranormal investigation show Ghost Lab. And that was back in December of 2010 when the episode aired in which this story takes place. After Katie, we've got a newcomer to the Bobcast, Alex Matsuo. Alex has a very personal and very intense story for us in this one. It's quite a tale. Definitely want to stick around for that. And I'll talk more about Alex when her story does come up a little bit later. Following Alex's story is the very triumphant return of Troy Taylor to the Bobcast. And Troy has a story of a mostly abandoned hotel and the guests who might not have ever checked out of that hotel yes lastly we have one of my very favorite people that's ever been on the bobcast one of my favorite paranormal people period sharice williams and sharice has an incredible story for us in this episode and that will be the final story of this episode you'll see you'll hear that story as long as you don't insist on lagging behind <laughs> we also have a song in this episode by the very amazing and talented voodoo sister that song is off of voodoo sister's new ish ep burnt offerings that ep came out i believe in june of 2021 the title of that song is Credite Me. And well, let me just read to you what Keith of Voodoo Sister has to say about that EP because it's kind of hard for me to explain myself. This is a little bit of a backstory for you. Burnt Offerings is a collection of original songs written in Latin and ancient Greek, partly inspired by Heroides of Ovid 
Each song is sung from the perspective of a woman or goddess from classical mythology. The themes are centered on women's voices expressing pain, anger, and desire for justice or wrathful vengeance. Ooh, yes, incredible, incredible EP. And this song, it's really spooky. It's very insidious. It kind of worms its way into your brain and just doesn't let go. Very, very perfect for this episode of Ghost Stories. We're going to be hearing from Good Life Digestive Health and Sticker Junkie in this episode. They are making it possible to bring this episode to you. So, yes, definitely pay attention when those ads come up. And Sticker Junkie has a really great deal for you that's only available during this Halloween season. So definitely pay close attention when those advertisements do come up. Thank you very much. Well, let's get right to the frightful fun as it is. But first few words from our lovely friends or fiends at Good Life Digestive Health. Please stay tuned. Master, Master, look! Your creation, it is moving, Master! Igor, you fool! Stand back and let me gaze upon this miracle of life! Yes, Master! It's alive, alive! Well, at least his digestive system is working, Master. Yes, yes, a healthy monster must have a properly working digestive system if it's going to properly terrorize the villagers. Good thing I used the products of Good Life Digestive Health during the process of creating this perfect specimen. Uh, uh, master, look out! It's getting loose! Uh, uh, Don't worry, Igor. The creation knows that the key to good digestive system health is plenty of exercise, along with a natural high-fiber diet, staying hydrated, and supplementing its digestive system needs with the products of Good Life Digestive Health. Where can I find these Good Life Digestive Health products, Master? It's very easy, Igor. Simply go to goodlifedigestivehealth.com and browse the selection of digestive system remedies and supplements. There, you'll find products such as the Healthy Bowel Support, DiverCalm Botanicals, and Digest Plus supplements that will help bring your digestive system back into balance. Thank you, Master. I'll go to goodlifedigestivehealth.com right away. Now, where did that monster go? Igor, bring me a bottle of the enteric coated peppermint oil. I think my creation might have an upset stomach. Disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This information slash products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, thank you, Good Life Digestive Health, for those monstrously magnificent words about your fine products. Well, now we have our first story, and this one is told to us by Katie Burr. This story took place while Katie was a member of the cast on the show Ghost Lab. That show was on the Discovery Channel from October of 2009 until January of 2011. Katie's going to start things off spooky with a story about a shadow figure, plus a voice from beyond that was caught in an EVP from the very haunted South Pittsburgh Hospital in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Here's Katie with her tale. So uh, this is from an episode of Ghost Lab, and we were at the South Pittsburgh Hospital in uh, 
or it was in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, actually. <laughs> and um, I, I know uh, it's it's become a pretty popular place, so I'm pretty sure um, you know most people in the paranormal have either been there or at least have heard of it. Um, but it's this uh, it's like an old three-story hospital you know it's it's been abandoned and gone through like a you know a couple different owners over the years and i i know like the owners that were the owners that had it while we were there aren't there anymore but at the time it was a husband and a wife and their little boy and they were actually living in this hospital the kid would go up to the third floor all the time and you know you go up there by himself to play and apparently there's this seven foot tall shadow figure that likes to hang around the third floor. And the shadow figure took a liking to the kid, which I already find to be a bit disturbing because, you know, when it's a darker presence, they tend to like children more. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that people are coming in there, you know, investigating and kind of giving their their recount of what they would experience. And, you know, they would say that this, they, they would encounter this shadow figure and he would be super aggressive with them. Like every single adult that's gone in there has said, you know, that this thing would push and scratch and, you know, just be real nasty with them. But this kid, he would always say that it would stand at the end of the hall waving at him or it would try to talk to him. Just, you know, very friendly, which doesn't, you know, doesn't sit right with right. me when I'm hearing this stuff. So, you know, we go in and we do our thing. And um, Brad and Barry, I think, I'm pretty sure they were on the third floor when this happened. But, you know, they usually go in places and they're, you know, being pretty gruff and, you know, not always being mean. I know a lot of people think that they're mean just because they're loud. They're just loud guys, you know, and, and it actually serves a purpose. We say this all the time. It serves a purpose for them being loud in, you know, the 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 evidence that we get, like the, the quality of evidence that we get. But, you know, they actually weren't being anything near that in this investigation. They weren't being anything even remotely mean. They were actually sitting there being very quiet. And we had this EVP come across that still makes the hair on my arms stand up. Honestly, the way it sounds to me, I've never heard anything like this before. But, you know, when Hollywood kind of makes a, a demon voice, you know, in movies, like in horror movies. Sure. It's just the way that sounds. That's the way this EVP sounds. I'm not saying it's a demon. I'm not saying it's anything in particular, but I am saying that when I listen to this thing, it's a mean and nasty EVP. It says, I'm not scared of you. And just the voice that comes across does not sound like a human voice to me. I've never heard this before. Like I said, Brad and Barry were sitting there minding their own business, not saying a word. And I think the scariest part for me, apart from listening to that voice, is I was there. I mean, obviously, you know, I was there this entire episode. I, you know, I, I could see myself when I watched the episode, I see myself in the lab listening to the CVP and I'm reacting to it. I don't remember that. I don't remember it at all. Wow. I don't remember. I remember being there. I remember filming. I remember bits and pieces from the investigation. I obviously wasn't with them when they caught that, but I don't even remember hearing that voice. It took me actually seeing the episode come out later and watching it. And when I heard that voice, I was like, I don't remember getting this DVP. And then you see me in the lab listening to it. And I'm like, I don't remember that either. So that kind of weirds me out. Why do you think that happened? What did you block it subconsciously or something like that? 
I'm really not sure. I mean, I it's definitely one of the many experiences that I've had that just leaves me with more questions, kind of the reason we do this stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the things that I have explored. Um, just kind of going over that whole experience, you know, it, is something protecting me? Like, clearly that was a darker presence of some sort. Again, I'm not jumping on demonic, but like there's a whole, there's a whole realm of things that, you know, it could potentially be. And it just, it wasn't nice. It wasn't, it didn't have our best interests in mind for sure. So I don't know if I was being protected in some way. And then by what is the next question? I don't, I don't know. All I know is that happened and I don't remember it. And that by far still to this day, when people ask me, what's the, what's the scariest, I mean, really what's the scariest experience you've ever had? Like Penhurst definitely is, is, my first just because you know that that actually physically happened to me that was stuff I was physically experiencing right but this listening to that EVP and knowing that we were around that for sure is close second thank you Katie Burr for the thrills and the chills in your story so here's the first surprise that I mentioned back at the beginning of the episode You're going to hear the EVP recording or electronic voice phenomenon recording of the voice saying, not scared of you. Katie was kind enough to let me use the recording of that EVP. Here it is. Yeah, that's pretty plain, isn't it? That voice also had some kind of more choice words to say to the investigators when they were at the South Pittsburgh Hospital, which since this is a family show, I will leave out. Well, this isn't a family show at all, actually. That's pretty gnarly, though, isn't it? That voice saying, not scared of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Katie did tell me they have recently gotten the band back together. Some of that Ghost Lab crew that is Katie, Brad, and Barry... They are back together and they are active again. They go by the name of Everyday Paranormal. They're starting a podcast very soon. It's got that same name, Everyday Paranormal, and their first episode will premiere on Halloween of 2021. It'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on Everyday Paranormal and the adventures of Katie Burr and friends, go to everydayparanormal.com or look for Everyday Paranormal on Facebook and most of the other social media outlets, I do believe. You can also follow Katie on Instagram. It's just at official Katie Burr, B-U-R-R. That's how you spell her last name. So why don't you go ahead and give Katie and Everyday Paranormal a follow and a like or 10 or 20 or however many likes you can do. Well, next up, we have Alex Mitsuo of The Spooky Stuff with her story about a ghost that followed her home after she had an unfortunate and extended stay at a hospital. Here's Alex with her story. So this is this is my uh, ghost story. Well, I have several, but this is the one I would say that actually started it all, at least made me want to start becoming a paranormal investigator myself and help people who didn't have help with their paranormal experiences. So uh, I was in a really, really bad car accident on New Year's Eve, uh, 2005. So going into 2006, uh, I was driving home from my university, uh, San Diego State. 
and I was getting onto the freeway and it was raining that night and I hydroplaned on the ramp and I ended up crashing. I got out of my car because I knew they were going to have to tow it. So I wanted to like get out of the car and get my stuff. And a few people had stopped after my accident. So somebody was directing traffic and, you know, then all of a sudden another car plowed through the crowd and basically hit me, knocked me off the guardrail. I fell 25 feet to oh. the road below. Yeah. Fell 25 feet to the road below. And I had to go to the hospital. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I had to go to the hospital. And while I was being worked on, uh, I was going in and out of consciousness. And I ended up seeing somebody in the trauma room with me. And keep in mind, it was New Year's Eve on a rainy night. The hospitals were packed. Packed, sure. Yeah, yeah. Hospitals were absolutely packed. So I was actually sharing tr a trauma room with another person. Like he was on the other side of the room. And as as i looked over i saw a lot of red and a lot of blood and i'm like oh am i gonna die like literally like seeing somebody dying next to me i was like oh okay but i went out of consciousness and then i saw myself floating above my body uh, i was able to stand at the foot of the bed and look at myself i was able to walk into the lobby of the hospital i could see my mom with my friends and you know they were all there to you know see to see like you know am i gonna be okay yeah. and then i got pulled back into the trauma room and as i was looking at my body i looked over at the side and i saw another guy at the foot of the bed the other bed on the other side one bed over and i saw him and he looked at me and i looked at him and i felt myself getting pulled back into my body and then after that i mean i survived obviously because i'm here today i almost immediately as soon as they got me to my hospital room uh, I started seeing shadows around my room and I thought it was like, you know, they gave me the good, the good drugs, right, right. <laughs> you know, I, because I had a vertically sheared pelvis, a shattered tailbone, three broken vertebrae in my back. Oh my. Uh, yeah. So wow. I, I was banged up a bit. So I, I thought it was, you know, what they were giving me. It wasn't until I started to look at the shadow a bit, a bit harder. I realized it was the man who had been in the, in the room with me. I thought for some reason, but this is also 19 year old Alex. I thought that, oh, he's coming up here to say hi and check up on me, but he's really mad. Why is he so mad? And I, I, so I asked my nurse, the nurse that was in charge um, a couple days later, cause a lot of weird things were happening. Like things were move, starting to move by themselves. Uh, still seeing the shadow, you know, I my room was getting filled with like get well gifts and cards. They would be thrown off the shelf, just really strange, bizarre stuff. And so I asked my charge nurse, you know, and obviously with HIPAA, they couldn't really, I don't even know if HIPAA existed back then, but you know, privacy reasons, uh, you know, they, they couldn't really tell me, but the nurse kind of alluded to me that he did not make it. And given the amount of red I saw next to me, I'm not surprised. Uh, it was, a, and he was wearing a leather jacket. He looked like he rode a motorcycle. So yeah. And so I had to have surgery to repair my hip and when I was in my anesthesia dream, so to speak, uh, I actually ended up seeing him, but I was seeing him like I saw him on the table, like his face looked like hamburger meat, like ribbons of skin kind of hanging off of his face. Um, same thing with his body, like the, his leather jacket and his leather pants were absolutely shredded. The nature of his accident was not good. Sure. Uh, and he kept saying, why you, not me? Why you, not me? 
And I didn't really know what to say about it. I didn't know what to do about it, but I realized I'm like, okay, this guy is a ghost. Apparently he's a ghost. I apparently we may have met on the other side or we both had an out of body experience at the same time. And we just kind of locked eyes on that plane of existence. So after I recovered from my surgery, I got moved to another hospital. He was still there causing a lot of issues, um, terrifying me and freaking me out. And during this time, I can't walk. I, I have barely started physical therapy. Um, so I so imagine having something terrorizing you like this and you can't get up and walk away. You can't get up and leave the room. Yeah, you're like I was literally trapped. trapped. Oh my God. I was literally trapped. I was literally trapped. And it continued. It continued uh and you know, even when I went home from the hospital, uh, you know, it, it didn't matter whether I was home or if I was out, out and about. I mean, I had friends who would, you know, take me to school, although I wasn't going to school that semester because of the accident, but they're like, Hey, you know, you can just hang out, you know, hang out and, you know, still be with us and everything. Sure. And it got to the point where no matter where I went, I saw him. So I is like, okay, he must be attached to me. And, uh, my mom noticed it too. This was covered. This, the, my story, this story was actually featured on haunted hospitals and you can actually watch it on discovery. Oh, Plus. Okay. If you yeah, see okay. It. Okay. If you want to see it reenacted, um, just, if you do watch it, please know that I did not scream that, that much, um, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there was one night where, uh, it was, you know, one night I, I was arguing with my mom and then all of a sudden like pictures were falling off the walls, but it happened in one like cadence, like things were falling off the walls and things were moving off the shelves. And my mom gets her Bible out and starts reading Bible verses, but instead of it stopping, it just made it more intense. Like I could actually hear the guy laughing at us. And I told my mom, I'm like, you're making it worse. You have to stop. Please oh stop. You're making it worse. And then it wasn't until we, I had a really bad sleep paralysis incident. I have to describe it that way. Cause that's what people know, but I wasn't asleep when it happened. I was just laying down and getting ready to go to bed when it happened. And I noticed that the activity got more intense, the more I recovered and the more I was getting some normalcy back into my life, which looking back, that makes sense. Sure. Uh, especially sure. if this guy was bitter that I survived and he didn't. Right. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense that he would just get more angry as I was moving forward. Like some of the major events that aligned was when I learned how to walk again and I didn't need the cane. I didn't need a walker. I didn't need the wheelchair. I could go back to school. I could go back to work, you know? Yeah. And it got to the point where, and I was very conservative Christian back then. And it got to the point where we needed to try to find help. Uh, no one from our church would help because, you know, Southern Baptists don't really believe in ghosts, <laughs> uh, nor do they really specialize in spirit removal. And we ended up getting help from the Greek Orthodox Church of all places. Wow. We had a, my, my mom had a client uh, who was also a friend, but they started off as a client who was a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. And I don't know how it came up in conversation. I don't know if my mom was like, you want to hear something weird, but <laughs> uh, I was living with my mom at this time too. So my mom's friend talked to like people at the Greek Orthodox church and apparently they were like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll help out. Um, <laughs> you know, they're like, hey. Uh, and so they ended up sending this little old woman with like three like young male attendants with her. Like it was just the weirdest thing, like this little old lady you know, probably in her eighties or nineties, you know, 
moving like this. And she's got like these three large men who are like probably in their mid twenties, early thirties. And uh, so she's doing, so she's doing this ritual basically. Uh, it's, it's basically to remove like specifically like jealous spirits, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, so it's like a, um, like she gets some olive, bless some olive oil across, um, put the cross on my forehead, dip her finger back into the water. And you know, the, the oil makes shapes in the water and that's how she can see like where we at here. And um, so, I mean, it took, took a little bit of time and as she left though she waves to one of her one of her guys and you know she's speaking in greek she's only speaking in greek like wow. doesn't speak english um he comes back with this large industrial sized spray bottle and he hands it to my mom and says this is full of holy water do the sign of the cross have her do the sign of the cross every night before she goes to sleep and i'm like okay that's great and I don't feel like it actually got rid of the, it didn't get rid of the entity. I think it put a muzzle on him. Like he was there, but he couldn't do anything, but it was still overwhelming to constantly feel like you were being watched and not just being watched, but someone watching you and like despising you the right. whole time. Right. And it got to the point where I decided to take a different approach with it. I, it was my mom was at work one night. Um, I had moved out of the room that I was in when I was injured. And I just decided to stay with my mom for a little bit after I recovered because rent in San Diego. You know? no, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And so my mom was at work and I decided to go into the room where I was I had been living in when I was um, injured and had my grandmother's hospital bed and everything, and, you know, great room ish. And I lit some candles and I basically just kind of meditated a minute. And I said, I'm sorry that you did not, you did not get a chance to walk away from this. I'm sorry that I survived and, and you didn't. I'm, I'm survived. I'm sorry that we couldn't have left the hospital together. The, but it, it kind of turned into this kind of come to Jesus moment. It was like, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't begin to understand what your position is or where you're coming from, but this has to stop. This has to stop. Like, it's not, it's not making, it's not making anything better. It's not changing anything. And I acknowledge the fact that I survived and it's terrible that you did not, you know? And, and for 20 year old Alex, this is a very like intuitive conversation. Uh, and I, and I saw him again, but he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. And it was like, he just, I don't know if he moved on or if he moved on, like crossed to the other side or what happened, but it was like a weight had lifted from the house. And the last time I physically saw him, he was actually, I actually saw him standing by my car outside, but he didn't look angry. He looked like at peace. And then he just kind of faded away and that was it. That's the only time I've ever seen a full bodied apparition, like right there in front of me. And yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like he's around because you know, when someone has a certain energy and vibration and you can feel it, it's like, oh, you're here. Okay. Right. Um, hey, how are you? But yeah, it was the most bizarre thing of, you know, with everything that happened. And for the most part, it had a very positive ending to it, but it required me to, you know, not do the whole like Christian spirit removal thing. It was showing empathy and saying, I'm so sorry this happened to you. 
I'm so sorry that you did not get a chance to live your life. And, you know, I hope you can find peace and move on. Now, that was a really, really incredible story. Alex and I talked for a while before, after, and kind of even during her story, which I cut a lot of that out to keep the story kind of flowing. Alex's story took place in San Diego. And as you may know, this podcast or the Bobcast is based in the San Diego area. Alex mentioned in that story, a member of the Greek Orthodox Church got involved in getting rid of the ghost that followed her home from the hospital, right? The weird thing is the Greek Orthodox Church that that person came from that came to Alex's house and tried to get rid of that ghost. I drive by that church almost every single day. And that's very weird to me, almost like a synchronicity, almost like I was supposed to talk to Alex and get her story for this episode. That's my feeling. Very, very crazy. But what a story. Alex, thank you so much for sharing it with us in this episode. Alex does have a brand new book that tells the story you just heard, but in much more detail. The title of that book is One Bed Over, A Hospital Haunting. And you can buy that book on Amazon. You can also visit Alex's website for the spooky stuff. That web address is alexmatsuo.com. And it's just A-L-E-X-M-A-T-S-U-O.com. There you'll find links to the several books that Alex has written. All of them look incredibly awesome. You can check out Alex's blog posts and YouTube videos with links right from that website. You can also sign up for emails and you'll get Alex's regular blog posts. I did. I love her blogs. They're really rad, really informative, and really make you think about a lot of things in the paranormal world that you may not always think about. I think it's incredible. Follow Alex on Twitter, Instagram, the social media platform of your choice. She is definitely out there. Alex Rules, be sure that you check out her various ventures, especially, I should mention, her YouTube channel, which is just called The Spooky Stuff. She's got a lot going on, Alex Rules. So now it's time for a song. Here's Voodoo Sister with a song, Credite Me. Here we go. Oh, 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 oh,
you, Keith, and thank you, Voodoo Sister. What a band. What a song. I love everything that they do. It's very moody. The music is kind of moody, and it almost sounds like supernatural to me. It's beautiful, beautiful music. If I can say it's supernatural, well, I just did. Voodoo Sister is absolutely an incredible band. You should buy all of their music on Bandcamp. Links to where you can do that will be on the Bobcast website. That web address is IWantToPartyWithBob.com slash podcasts. Look for this episode's page. There will be your links. Up next, we have Troy Taylor, and he's got some spooky stories from the Mineral Springs Hotel of Alton, Illinois, that may just involve some guests that never checked out of that hotel. Here's Troy. Okay, well, I, I've, got a, I've got a favorite location that has become one of my favorite haunted spots over the years. And when I, it, it's actually is located in Alton, Illinois. And I, when I, I moved to Alton, I actually lived there from the late 90s through the middle part of the 2000s for about eight years or so. And when I had first moved there, I had heard about this place and it was an old hotel that had been built back in 1914, um, right before World War I, when the craze of mineral spas were still a thing all across the country. These two meat packers had bought the property with the idea of opening an ice house, but instead they uncovered a spring during the construction and decided to open a spa instead. Mm -hmm. uh, they called it the Mineral Springs Hotel. They had a chemist who came in and claimed that the water had curative powers. You know, you've heard those kind of stories before sure. where people come in because they've got arthritis or rheumatism and it, you know, it makes them feel better. And so, you know, they go away for a week or two thinking they're cured, but then, you know, it all comes back. <laughs> right. Because if you sit in sulfur water for long enough, it helps. But anyway, in those days when you could say pretty much anything you wanted in advertising, they were doing huge business. And not only were people coming to this new hotel to take in the waters they were bottling the water and shipping it out to like 12 different states because they were claiming it could cure everything from baldness to headaches to uh alcoholism you name it it could cure it oh and gosh. people would take this water and drink it which was full of sulfur which means that the water tasted and smelled like rotten eggs but everybody thought it was medicine so it was great well anyway they they did huge business and this hotel was really expensive lavish um, imported furnishings, marble everywhere, beautiful place. Well, down on the second or I get really the third level down because this thing actually goes down. This hotel is even today when it's been abandoned for years and now is open as a as kind of a shops and shopping mall. It takes up an entire city block. I mean, this thing is massive. Wow. And it goes down seven levels because it's built on a bluff. So will you go down a couple of levels and you enter the the famous swimming pool at the Mineral Springs. Now, in 1914, indoor swimming pools were not something that you regularly found, not in downstate Illinois anyway. Uh, and this one had the reputation for being the largest indoor swimming pool in the entire state. So people came here to experience this pool. It had a deep end, a shallow end. The deep end was about 12 feet deep, shallow end about four feet deep. So it's a pretty good sized place. And it was in this tiled room, beautifully painted, potted palms, tables, chairs, loungers, uh, a piano that someone would play to entertain the guests, chandeliers that hung above the pool. This pool filled with murky sulfur water that had been 
pumped up right out of the spring. So as beautiful as it was, you still needed to hold your nose when you went inside. Sure. I would be my guess. Anyway, so people would come there to take in the waters and it was a, it was a, a beautiful place. Now, as time went on, the hotel ran into problems after World War II. They had to stop advertising the fact that they could cure everything imaginable with their water. And, um, you know, hard times hit the hotel. And within two decades, it was closed down. And it sat abandoned for the next 13 years. Um, the city was going to tear it down, but when they discovered how large this thing was, they realized how much it would cost to tear it down. There's just no way to do it. So they just let it sit empty and deteriorate and it fell apart. And, you know, the plaster fell off the walls, off the ceilings, the paint peeled. It just, it was, the place was a disaster. And finally in 1978, a real estate developer decided to buy the building and turn it into a shopping mall, which it has kind of been since then. It's now just got some apartments in it and some stores and things, but it has been reopened. But there's nothing you can do about the 156 rooms that have fallen into decay throughout the building. It would take a major undertaking to do anything about it, but parts of it have been preserved. Now, one area of the building that is still abandoned is that old swimming pool. Now, the pool has sat there dry and empty since 1961. That's when the they discovered there was a crack in the floor that was letting water into the next level. So they emptied the pool. It's never been used since. But yet, even though it's been empty, there have been employees and staff members who are in that part of the building in this closed off abandoned area who claim that they've heard water in the pool. They've heard water running. They've heard things splashing no one knows where these sounds are coming from. The guys come in, they turn on the lights in this big empty room and with the pool in it, and there's no water anywhere. Uh, and this would happen repeatedly. Guys would hear this water. Well, one employee uh, back in the, in the early 2000s, a friend of mine's dad owned this building. And so I got to spend a lot of time in there with my buddy and we just kind of wandered all over the place. But I got to talk to a lot of the staff members from who were there at the time. These staff members all told me encounters they'd had in other parts of the building too, but especially in the pool. This one guy, he was a maintenance worker, was working in a room outside where the pool is located one day. He said he heard water splashing and what sounded like maybe even a broken pipe or the sound of someone filling the pool. So he hurried inside to see what was going on. He flips on the light. Of course, there's no water. The pool's completely dry. And then he looked down onto the concrete floor at the edge of the pool and saw a line of wet footprints, about eight of them that just vanished. Wow. And he quit working there. That was, that was quit, it. That wow. was enough for him. He was not gonna work down in that area anymore. So other people began having encounters too. Do as part of the ghost tours that I did, I bring people down there to the pool. And um, I would often tell stories about, you know, uh, you know, the things that had happened and such. And one night I had a friend of mine who was with me on the tour and he is a police officer in St. Louis. And he also did three tours of duty in Iraq. And I'm just telling you that so that you know, this has got a guy that scares easily. Sure. Well, he was trying to help me get everybody out of there because, you know, you got to keep people moving when you're on a tour and he's trying to round people up. And at the time in the room right outside the pool, there was a hallway that went deeper into the building. Uh, it's still there. It doesn't go as deep as it used to, but it used to go pretty far back. Well, he said as he was trying to round people up to get them moving back outside to the outside so we could continue on with the tour, he saw a guy go through that doorway and 
start down the hallway. So Dave followed him down the hall to call out to him. Hey, buddy, we, you know, we got to go. We, we've got to turn around. We got to leave. We can't be down here. Oh, the guy keeps walking, just ignoring him. So Dave's trying to catch up with this guy. He finally yells at him again. Hey, buddy, we can't go back in this area and we're trying to leave. I need you to come back this way. The guy not only ignores him, but turns a corner and keeps on going deeper into the building. So now Dave picks up the speed. He gets down to the corner. He goes around the corner. He's just about to shout at the guy and he realizes he's just walked into a dead end and there's nobody there. Oh my. So Dave turns around, leaves the hallway, and I said, hey, what's going on? He said, uh, nothing, I'll be outside. So he goes straight outside, will not come back into the building that night. He waited for us outside. I had to get everybody out of there myself. And then we, uh, you know, we took everybody out. And finally, you know, um, I, I asked him what had happened. He told me this story. And he didn't come back into the Mineral Springs for, I don't know, at least 10 years. He was back for an event like 10 years later. That was the first time he'd ever been back in there. And he wasn't very excited about doing that. A lot of people always want to know, so who, who are the ghosts that haunt this pool? Well, you would assume that someone must have drowned there and now their ghost is haunting the place, which that's some of the stories that have been told. And most of those stories were told by people in the 70s who had no access to the internet, obviously, or even right. newspaper articles or anything. They didn't know the history. They just assumed. Um, as it turns out, there's only ever one, been one person that died in that pool. His name was Clarence Blair. He was a sheet metal worker from a nearby town who had come there to take swimming lessons in 1918 and had drowned in the pool during his swimming lessons. The only person that's ever died there, which doesn't really make any sense based on the number of strange happenings that take place. So sure. my theory has always been that either the ghosts are attracted to the water because it is still sitting there on a spring. That spring is still there. It's just capped off and it's underneath the building. So they're either attracted to that, 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 that you know, the, the energy the from energy, the water right. or maybe just because it's a haunted hotel. When you think of the thousands of people who stayed there during the 50 years it was in operation, how many of those people left a little bit of themselves behind? I'd right. say probably quite a few. So I was determined to find out if I could experience anything for myself at this place. Now, as I think I may even have mentioned on your podcast before, I am not a psychic. I do not talk to dead people. When things happen to me, it's because I have put myself in that situation sure. and become a part of my own story. Well, in this particular case, my buddy and I who live there, we had explored, we roamed around this building, never had anything ghostly happen, but I thought, you know what? Let's go down and spend the night in the swimming pool. Why not? You know, that's supposed to be the most haunted spot. Let's see what happens. So we took a couple of lawn chairs down to the swimming pool. We sat down in there and we had all the lights off. It was pitch black. I mean, pitch black, like can't see your can't hand see in front of your face, face black. Yeah. Exactly. Just completely dark. So we sat there and we were kind of talking quietly for a while. And the door to this part of the building is this big metal door that scrapes across the floor when you open it. And as we're sitting there, we hear the door handle turn and we hear the door scrape open. Now we can start now see a little bit of light around the doorway, but we then heard footsteps on the concrete walk into the room. Now I didn't think, oh, you know, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. I thought it was probably my friend's dad coming to see what in the world we were doing in the swimming pool right. of the night. <laughs> and so my buddy says, here, here's a flashlight. Let's, who's up there? So we turn on the flashlight, we shine in at the door. No one. Wow. Now the door is wide open. 
There's no one standing there. Now we got out of the pool, we searched that room, we searched the room outside, we searched the lobby, we searched everywhere we could think of in the hotel. We were the only ones in the building. Now that cut short my night in the pool. That, that, that was enough for both of us, we were finished. And so, but it was one of those things where I can now vouch for the place. I can't say, um, you know, a lot of places, you know, I take people to on tours or I tell stories about, I'll say, you know, they say or legend has it or here's the story someone told me but this is a case of where not only did someone tell me but i saw it for myself so if you ever wonder if you ever run across the name mineral springs hotel as being a very haunted spot you'll remember that, that troy taylor swears to you that it is because it really is haunted thank you troy taylor and troy taylor I swear he is a walking, talking encyclopedia of the paranormal, the weird, the strange. I'm very glad Troy was kind enough to join us for this episode. Thanks again, Troy. Well, pretty intense story, too, in some ways. His buddy that followed the man that walked away from the tour group. Oh, boy. I don't blame that guy at all for bailing out and not coming back for 10 years. Wow. Troy does a lot of ghost tours like he was talking about there. You can find out more by going to AmericanHauntingsInc.com. And the ink is not I-N-C, it's I-N-K. So it's AmericanHauntingsInk.com. At that website, you can access the American Hauntings podcast, which Troy Taylor hosts. It's an incredible true crime and paranormal podcast. I listen to it regularly. I love it. Troy's books are also available through that website. And I think he's up to 100 books by now. I think the last time he was on a Bobcast was August of 2020, maybe. And he'd only written like 85 or so. So, yeah, Troy's a very busy bee. He's got a lot going on through that American Hauntings website as well. You can access the ghost tours that Troy hosts, uh, special events, the Morbid Curious magazine, AmericanHauntingsInc.com really does have it all in the realm of the paranormal, the strange, the weird, true crime, you name it. If it's something related to those things, it's on that website. So check it out. Next up are a few words from our fiends at Sticker Junkie, and they've got a Halloween special you don't want to miss. Then it's on to our final destination of this episode. Please stay tuned. The most wonderful time of year is here. That's right. It's October and Halloween is right around the corner. Our good fiends at Sticker Junkie celebrate Halloween in style with special promotions all month long during this spooky season. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the monstrously magnificent custom stickers you can have made with Sticker Junkie. All of Sticker Junkie's stickers are made of thick vinyl with a durable gloss laminate and have an estimated seven plus years of outdoor life. The stickers of Sticker Junkie are made right here in the USA in the San Diego, California area and your custom sticker order from Sticker Junkie includes free shipping within the United States. If you have a business you'd like to advertise, a band you'd like to promote, a podcast, a website, a blog, even something as simple as a slogan you'd like to let the world know about, simply go to StickerJunkie.com to start the sticker making process today. 
Upload your pre-made artwork or use the custom sticker generator at StickerJunkie.com. The process is very simple and you'll have the highest quality stickers in your claws in no time at all. To make the great deal you will get having your stickers made with Sticker Junkie even sweeter during the month of October, use the promo code HAUNTED to save $10 off any order or use the promo code HALLOWEEN to save 10% off any order when you order your custom stickers from StickerJunkie.com. Sticker Junkie, all treats, no tricks when it comes to making the custom-made stickers you crave. And happy Halloween from all of us at Sticker Junkie. Thank you to our good friends at Sticker Junkie. Don't forget, go to StickerJunkie.com. You can use the code HAUNTED for $10 off any order or the code HALLOWEEN for 10% off of your sticker order. Our final resting place of this episode is here. It is a doozy. Sharice Williams has a tale of a location that hasn't seen many, if actually any, paranormal investigations. And it is supposedly a very, very haunted place. Let's let Sharice tell her tale. Here she is with her experiences at the Indiana State Sanatorium. So there is a paranormal team. I'm not sure if you know them. ACG Paranormal. It's run by a husband and wife, Nat and Elle. I really like them because they're really, you know, they're down to earth. They like to look for logical explanations for things. They're super thorough with their evidence, which I found at Indiana State. Um, but I'd been talking with Nat on Instagram, and she was like, hey, my team is going to Indiana State Sanatorium. They just opened for investigations. You know, this is an older place, but it's never been investigated. And she said, do you want to come with us? I'm like, uh, hell yeah, because yeah. I heard of it. <laughs> and I was like, how often do you get to investigate somewhere that has so much history that hasn't really been investigated? Like, I think right. by the time when we went, we were like the fourth group to investigate. So it was really like very untapped. So I was like, hell yeah, let's, <laughs> I'm doing this. So I met them there in Indiana. Um, they're based out of Chicago. And so we met and it was the most amazing investigation I've ever had in my entire life. So this property is huge. It's in the middle of pretty much nowhere, Indiana. And there's like, I forget how many buildings they said. There's like 50 buildings or something on this property. There's, yeah, there's like a bunch of smaller buildings. There's like an old dairy barn. Cause I guess at one point the asylum that's there was, I mean, this was like self-sustainable. They right. had a dairy farm and everything. Um, and so there's a lot of history here. Uh, when we went, when was this June that I went with them? I think or July, they had just a few of the buildings cleared out. So we got to investigate what's called the admin building a nursing home and the asylum so it's three separate buildings but they're all connected through like hallways and what have you sure and then we stayed the night they have the commercial building and it's the only building on the property at least at this time that has electricity and plumbing so that's where we had to go to plug any equipment in or anything we were also able to sleep in that room uh which that is also haunted i guess oh i didn't have any activity that night but I heard from, you mentioned Courtney, the ghoul guide. Yeah. She was recently there and she mentioned that they heard like little kids giggling and what sounded like little kids running around the building at night. <laughs> and then I just recently found out that where that building stands now, because it's a newer building, there used to be the children's ward was 
right there. Oh. Um, so that building was torn down and then this building put up. So that's just kind of crazy that that, you know, people were hearing children and had no idea that that used to be the spot that the children's ward was. Right. Kind of gives uh, it some legitimacy for sure. Yeah, they which I love. No idea, right? I mean, yes. So, and that's wow. what I love about this place being still so new. I mean, it's really been open now just for a few months of investigations. And so I love that there's not all of these stories already associated with it. You know, we were talking about Waverly and Winchester House and everything. All of these places that are so iconic. So many people have already been there and everybody's like, oh yeah, on this floor you see this, the crawler and you see this person on this floor. And if you go into this room, there's the little kid go, you know, like it's so already you kind of know what to expect yeah you got you go in there with expectations mm -hmm. almost i would think yeah you know, which is that... kind of annoying too and i mean that also brings up we were talking about winchester house of are these places like waverly that have these specific entities are they actually there or are just people have been told this story over and over again that they created these spirits which even then that's cool too but all of the spirits that we encountered at indiana state I feel are legitimate spirits from that property, from those locations, because there's no stories associated with this place yet. Wow. It was, I, I don't even know where to begin. So, oh, also there's a bobcat on the property. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly the scariest part of the whole night is there's a legitimate bobcat that lives on the property. Um, and the owner's like, so just watch out for that. We're like, oh, okay, great. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> walk around the corner and come face to face with a bobcat no thanks yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we were all gonna split up at one point but with bobcat and then i'll get into a story in a moment of why we pretty much just stayed as a big group the entire night like we mm. didn't split up because we did not feel safe yeah so we got to investigate these three big main buildings um, they were doing some photos, um, ACG was doing some photos, and so I kind of wandered around by myself for a little bit and was already picking up on different energies and everything in the nursing home especially. It's kind of like a cross shape of hallways and right in the center is the nurse's station. And I was standing there and I was picking up on an older woman and I got some hits on my K2 meter um, and just intuitively was picking up on she's like didn't know how to utilize this equipment i'm like can you come here and like it would light up but then she didn't really know how to respond with it which i mean would make sense if we were some of the first investigators there a lot of these spirits might not know how to you know they've never seen a spirit box or a k2 meter um so there that was kind of an interesting thing to think of too is these spirits learning about our methods of as humans of connecting with them so that's kind of cool to think that about is. like do ghosts need to learn like can you continue learning as <laughs> without a body over on the other side so that was cool so and then i had some weird feelings um in some different spots but nothing too crazy really happened uh so then we got investigating together as a big group and it was almost just instantly we were getting activity with the equipment members of acg saw what they called the frogman because they were like it was kind of like the frogman like hunched over like that kind of shape um they two different people saw it at two different times like dart from one of the rooms to another like through the hallway i unfortunately did not get to see the frogman so that was kind of creepy and again we were just getting kind of some things here and there we were hearing some footsteps and all of that and we were getting we were excited about it because we were getting activity again like off, like hits on our equipment um, and a storm was approaching. So we were like, well, let's go back to the commercial building. Let's get some snacks in us. We'll wait for the storm to pass. I don't know if 
the storm kicked up activity because of all the static electricity in the air and the extra moisture and everything. Because when we went back into those buildings after that thunderstorm, it was just one thing after another. Like, I've never been somewhere where I've heard so many disembodied voices in my entire life. It was just, I mean, we'd, we'd be talking amongst ourselves and then we'd all be like, stop, stop, stop. Did you hear that? Because then you'd hear voices down the hallway, just audibly too, like not just doing like an EVP session and listening back on the equipment, just standing there audibly with your own ears, just voices and like whispering and talking. And there were a couple moments that really, there's one I have on my uh, YouTube channel, I have a recap of my investigation with evidence and we're standing by the nurse's station and um, everybody's kind of talking and I tell everybody, I'm like, shut up. Like I tell everybody to shut up and I feel so bad. I'm like, I'm sorry I yelled at you guys to shut up. But it's because I heard a laugh. It sounded like either an old man or an old woman. And it was <laughs> like clear as day that loud. <laughs> that it gave me goosebumps from head to toe. Like I have never heard. It sounded like it was just right in my ear. Oh. It was, ugh, it still gives me goosebumps because it was just the creepiest thing ever. So there was that moment. Then we walk from the nursing home to go to the asylum side. And you have to walk through this cafeteria to get to from the nursing home to the asylum. And we're walking and we hear, we stop because again, we're hearing women talking. We're hearing voices and we're like, what is this? So we stop and it's so loud, the talking and we even hear like a bang outside of the cafeteria, outside the window, to the point that we legitimately thought there were people there. We're like, there's humans here. People got onto the property. Because um, it's not like Waverly Hills where they have it gated off. They have security. Like they have somebody in a golf cart that rides around the property the whole night. Wow. Um, cameras everywhere. So, I mean, technically somebody could pretty easily sneak onto this property. Again, it's in the middle of nowhere, though. But we legitimately thought that there were people. So we immediately leave the building, get in our cars that were right outside and drive around the property to see if we could see anybody driving off or anything. Didn't see anybody. We then did a whole sweep of the of all the locations. We didn't see anybody. I mean, we're walking through telling people, you need to come out now if you if somebody's here. You know, we're not the cops. You're not in trouble. Nobody. Um, and while we're doing this, too, we're hearing footsteps above us. Or down the hall, we're hearing st uh, like footsteps run down the stairs. And at this point, we really are thinking there's somebody there. Right. Finally, we realize there's nobody here. I mean, nobody living that is here. Right. So that was, I mean, to give you like the, the, I don't know, to explain the level of the activity there. I mean, it really sounded like human beings talking and walking and moving through the place. It was so active. Oh my. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was pretty crazy. Another point we were walking off through the hall. And Nat was at the front of the group and she says, whoa, like she stopped because she heard footsteps approaching her. And then all of a sudden there was this loud bang. I mean, we all were like, what the heck was that? Come to find out after Nat reviewed her evidence, we had no idea what it was. We thought maybe like something fell down the hall. We didn't know what it was. She reviewed her evidence and you can see on her video, I mean, the paint is peeling on these walls. It's, it's a very, it was abandoned for a while and it's, it's, an abandoned feel. Like, and it looks that way. Not, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been more sweaty and dirty from an investigation than I have at this place, but you can see on her video, you can't see it perfectly clear. Cause there's somebody, another group member standing there, but you can see this huge chunk of the paint peel up 
come out and then fall. And that's what the noise was. And it wasn't, people could say, oh, well, you know, paint peeling off the wall falls off all the time. Yeah, it kind of just like plops off and falls off. You could literally see, I mean, if here's the wall and here's the paint chip, you could see it like lifting up and then even kind of come out before it drops down. That happened right after she heard the footsteps approaching as well. So whatever's there has got some energy to it to be able to, you know, move things, footsteps, voices. And I can't remember if it was right before that or right after that, we heard a growl, which was scary as hell again, because we're all walking down the hall and then just all of a sudden you hear, oh boy. And it sounded, yeah, just like that. And so we all stop. We're like, oh my God, what was that? I mean, what was that? Or did you hear that was like the things that we said the most that entire night. And it was pretty creepy. On the fifth floor of the Adams Hall, which is the asylum, that's where they kept the more um, dangerous men. That was their floor. And that's what we were picking up on was kind of a male energy that is nasty he, he we call him like the grumpy man the angry man um because he he i think just again intuitively felt like he's he's one of those spirits that is trying to scare you like he likes seeing you scared he likes messing with you as scary as some of the moments were throughout the night we definitely didn't get the sense that anything was evil there at all so I really hope that this doesn't become one of those places where people are like, and there's a demon on the fifth floor. Sure. No, there's not. Yeah. There's an angry man, an aggressive man who had mental health issues in life and that carried over into death. He's not evil. He's just a little aggressive. And I, I, it's, it's weird. And I don't know if it's this place in particular or because of all the activity I experienced or because this is a newer place that I got to investigate and I've never done something like that before with a new location. But I feel strangely connected to this building now, which is, Mm. that's kind of weird to me out. I'm like, why do I feel so drawn and connected to this property and the spirits? Like I feel very protective of it. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. I'm like, (laughs) did I leave a little piece of my own energy there? And now I'm like connected to the, right (laughs) to that or what? And you've never felt that way about another place before really? I mean, there's locations that I, I really love, like Prospect Place here in Ohio. I really like because that was one of the first places that I really investigated when I started out investigating. And I really like it. But yeah, I've never felt like so protective of the spirits and things as I do about Indiana State. Like, I'm like, don't you mess with my spirits over there. Wow. Because they, they are. They're just, you know, it's you have the elderly people in the nursing home that just are kind of like, what's going on? We even picked up, I think um, ACG has, I don't know if they got it on audio or not, but they were listening. They have those headphones where you can hear, um, like it amplifies the sound around you. Yeah. And they could hear a man and a woman talking down the hall and they were talking about us. Like, do we go talk to them? Like, who are these people? Like, what's going on? So these spirits are very much like, what's happening? Like, who are these people? Why are they here? They're very cautious, but curious. Some of them really do want to talk. So yeah, I just I don't know. I'm just super protective of them. I want people to treat them with respect, treat them nicely. Like I mentioned the man, the angry man. Just because he's angry and he's a spirit and he is trying to get a rise out of you doesn't mean he's evil. It doesn't mean he's going to possess you. It doesn't mean he's a demon. Like right. and it doesn't mean you need to be an asshole to him. Like you can set right. boundaries. 
uh, that's what I did. He actually started trying to mess with Nat. Um, she was setting up some equipment in the hallway and she jumps up. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, what? She was like, I just heard in my ear a man go, no, like really loud Whoa. and creepy in her ear. She, yeah, she was like almost close to tears because it was so, she said it just felt so like menacing and so like in her space kind of thing. But even then, that's not evil. Um, it's just some guy who needs to have some boundaries set for him. Sure. And I went in with, I was like, you're to this male entity. I'm like, you're not going to mess with me. Like you don't have the right to freak me out, whatever. Like almost like, you don't. <laughs> I'm not scared of you kind of thing. And yeah. he really didn't mess with me that night. So yeah, I mean, you can set boundaries with these spirits and everything, but you don't have to be an asshole to them. And that makes me sad when people are like that. Uh, great Caesar's ghost. Yeah, I wanted to use some kind of catchphrase at the end of that story, and that was about the best thing I could come up with. That was a gnarly story. That was wild. I mean, my God, I'm serious. I was catching flies the entire time that Sharice and I were talking via Zoom for this episode for her story. Well, my, my mouth was like, my chin was like on my chest. Incredible. Incredible. Well, here, I've got a couple more incredible things for you. Here's surprise of the episode number two, an EVP of that laugh that Sharice mentioned in her story. You guys are staying here by what the hell, man? When I heard that, okay, I got to be honest. When I heard that in the video that Sharice told me about, I thought it was one of the investigators laughing because it was plain as day. It sounded like a person standing right there with them. That is gnarly. I haven't heard like hundreds of EVP audio or anything like that, but that was, wow, that was incredible. That's not coming from any living human being in that building at that time. It definitely gave me chills. That, that was gnarly. Well, here's one more EVP from that investigation. This time it's of the growl that Sharice mentioned. One person like talking and asking questions. Okay, that's pretty scary. It's a little bit fainter than the laugh, and I did tweak on the audio a little bit to try and bring it up as much as I could. You can definitely hear it, and that is creepy. Oh, boy, that's creepy. I think the laugh got me a little bit more. The laugh was pretty gnarly, but it didn't sound threatening. The growl uh, maybe sounded a little threatening. Yeah, I don't know. It was a bit too much for me, as I am kind of a chicken. But anyway, there you go. You got to hear those amazing stories in this episode. And I think this is the first time I've ever played a series of EVPs related to the stories that were being told. So, yeah, there was definitely some very creepy things going on with those EVPs. And, uh, yeah, there was some activity there, right? Spirit activity? Some type of paranormal thing that we can't explain. Very intense stuff. Really cool, though. Well, thank you, Sharice, for telling the tale of that investigation. That investigation that just wouldn't stop with evidence of one type or another. I've never heard of anything like that, where that much was going on in one investigation. It's incredible, and you can see that for yourself. Just go to Sharice's YouTube channel. She has a video up with all the highlights that we kind of talked about in this episode, and there's even more. You can go to youtube.com slash C slash Sharice Williams XO. It might just be easier. Go to YouTube, type in Sharice Williams. Her page comes right up. So there you go. Watch that video. 
It is absolutely insane. I'd also recommend you go to ShariceWilliams.com for all things Sharice Williams. You can make an appointment with Sharice to get a tarot reading. All kinds of different really rad and incredible stuff. So check it out. And that's going to do it for this very hauntingly good episode. Links to all the tellers of tales and their various ventures will be up at IWantAPartyWithBob.com slash podcasts on this episode's page. You can easily check out all the amazing work that these very talented and incredible people do in the paranormal field. Katie Burr, Alex Matsuo, Troy Taylor, Sharice Williams, thank you all so incredibly much for joining us in this episode. I really do appreciate it. Thanks to Keith and Voodoo Sister for the song. Please check out Voodoo Sister's Bandcamp. There you can buy all of Voodoo Sister's very amazing music. You should definitely do that. I love that band so much. They are incredible. Thanks. Go out to this episode's sponsors, Good Life, Digestive Health, and Sticker Junkie. Please utilize these fine fiends and their amazing offerings if you can. One last thing I'm going to try and sell you before we go. Please join the Bobcast Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob the tiers to be a part of that Patreon start at a dollar a month you get ad free interruption free episodes episodes just like the one you just heard but without any interruptions whatsoever and those episodes do come out before the main general public accessible episode comes out so you get stuff without ads without interruptions and before anybody else. Yes, and it starts at a dollar a month for that. What a bargain. What a deal. Please save me from having to do too many Grubhub and or DoorDash deliveries because I do not enjoy that very much, and I like doing this a lot more. So there you go. Thank you in advance. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. He's coming around. You'll take-